Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I'm a needle-phobic. You sure are. This is your favorite minute. Uh, Today, we're talking about Minute 35, which begins with the first step on the path to peace and ends with serum infusion. Back on the show for the last time, sadly, this week, uh, we have Matthew Costello, professor of political science at St. Xavier University in Chicago and author of Secret Identity Crisis. Matthew, welcome back. Thank you, Andy. Glad to be here. Uh, Something we like talking about with our guests on Fridays. um, What would you say is your favorite Captain America moment? Uh, It can be from any of the films, um, even even the 1991, if you want to pick that one. Uh, What would you say is your favorite moment of the character? Matthew, I dare you to pick that one. (laughs) Triple dog dare. Um, Well, you know, I I, I do have a fondness for Matt Salinger um, and the Italian Red Skull. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the Rat Skull. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's um, our favorite. You know, if we're talking about the movies, right, there, there are so many because I really do uh, like this character. Um, uh, I think I mentioned once that the first comic book I ever bought was a Captain America and the Falcon comic book from the early 70s. And I've, I've been invested sort of in this character for 45 years or so. At the end of Endgame, when old Cap is back, uh, the Falcon says to him something along the lines of, do you want to tell us what, how, how things went with you? And he just kind of smiles and says, I don't think so. <laughs> oh. uh, yes, oh. that's it. I mean, it was just, you know, uh, with that smile on his face and you realize that, that all they put this guy through, they finally give him his happy ending. And um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really good. I mean, that, that was a, that was a very good moment. I think it was a well-scripted moment. It was a good moment. Well-performed. The makeup was incredible. Like everything about that moment. Yeah. Just yeah. Sung. It's um, perfect. Although it, it, it's not my favorite. I still think, I still think that this film and the winter soldier are probably the two best films in the Marvel cinematic universe. I just think they were worth the most thoughtful films. Uh, this one's kind of Casablanca and the winter soldiers, you know, three days of the condor. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you ever find yourself wishing that Joe Johnston had been asked to kind of stick around and do all of the Captain America films? Or do you think that this was probably the, the only one that he would have fit for? Um, I, I'm not sure. He probably could have done the winter soldier, although he's, he's really got that retro feel. I mean, he's really good at that retro feel. I would have preferred anybody do sort of later films. I mean, Civil War is a mess of a film. <laughs> it's just a mess of a film. But the source material in the comics was a mess, too. Um, yeah. uh, so, no, I, I, I think this was just a good fit between material and director here. Uh, so I really, I, I really like this one. I like the moment in the airplane when he just says, I'm going to have to break our date. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not deep. It's not like built up it's not overly dramatic but it's very dramatic and it's just he underplays chris evans underplays very well in some cases which is great seeing that he does that because i mean before we uh started this season we did a few hiatus episodes and one of them we were looking at what was chris evans working on right before this and we talked about the losers uh which is i mean it's a very fun film but it is a very different type of character for uh evans to play 
And it's kind of fun to see him being somebody so snarky uh, because in these films, he really isn't. And so to the point of what you're just saying about the way that he kind of underplays so many things about this character, I think that's absolutely true. You can really see that in his different performances. Yeah, um, which was nice after, you know, what you expected watching him do the Human Torch in those two films, that this was this was a very different approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that demonstrates, like, you forget just how long he's played Cap, just how much range Evans has as a performer, right? It, it has been really fun to watch the losers and then knives out, right, that kind of sandwich his experience um, to see just how much he has in him. That's not the stoic non-ideologue patriot right yeah yeah oh so that was uh your favorite uh film um but you've you're somebody who's read a lot of comics do you have a favorite uh moment in the captain america comics um there there are there are a couple i've i've always really liked that that first set that i read back when i was young is the there's a steve Englehart run in the early 70s um where there's a watergate allegory that's absolutely wonderful um uh, Captain America is, is being propagandized by the uh, uh, committee to regain America's principles or crap, as opposed <laughs> to the committee to reelect the president. <laughs> right. Um, in which he actually uh, foils a, a, an attempt to overthrow the government. Uh, the, the leader kills himself in the Oval Office, supposed to be Nixon, but they never say Nixon. Wow. He quits being Captain America. Um, and then he comes back. The Red Skull shows up again and he comes back because he realizes that maybe maybe I don't fight for the leaders. Maybe I don't fight for the government. Maybe I fight for an ideal that's still threatened. Right. Um, and and it's a real transformation. That's a wonderful storyline. Um, there's a post 9-11 storyline written by um, oh God, I'm gonna, uh, John A. Reader um, in which uh, he has to foil terrorists. But um, he does it in such a way that that he 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 actually questions the culpability of the United States in giving rise to terrorism. Um, the battle takes place in Dresden, and he remembers the firebombing of Dresden from World War II and these sort of very stark impressionistic art pieces. There's been a lot of different times. Mark Wade had a wonderful run in the 1990s. Um, there's been a, a, a lot of good Captain America books out there over the years um, that I think have been very thoughtful about who we are as people and why we are this way. So yeah, I've got, I'm, I have an affinity for the character. You know, I'm a political scientist for God's sake. Well, that's something that's really interesting about him as a character is that he isn't just like the, a, a centerpiece for the army, you know, like uncle Sam sort of thing, but he really became the representation of the ideal. And, uh, I, I like the way that in the comics, they were able to kind of explore that over time in all of these different periods that you were just mentioning. Like, each time it's like uh, fighting for whatever that ideal is, that w what we're trying to get to, you know, the, the goal that we're always trying to achieve of what it means to be an American and everything. And I think that's... But there have also been periods where he's just been sort of very jingoistic as well, which is not quite mm -hmm. as nice. Um, I would also give a big shout-out to the, the um, short-lived but wonderful, right, um, Sam Wilson Captain America comic book that was, I thought, very well done some of which showed up in the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series and probably will show up in the, the Captain America movie that's Captain America 4 coming out that they've now announced. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the way that for the films, they really latched onto that uh, sense of the character 
looking to the ideal. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it worked great here. I think it worked wonderfully in, in Winter Soldier as well. I thought they were very well done. All right. Well, let's jump into the minute. So we're coming in on Erskine's speech. So uh, it, this will not be just another step toward annihilation, but the first step on the path to peace. I, I can't help it as I hear his little speech here, like it feels so familiar, like oh, I feel like they're they're trying to allude to uh, some other famous American speeches like, uh, you know, small step for mankind sort of thing about, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the goal of science and everything and and things that JFK has said. It just it feels like they're working to invoke some sense of this, you know, a speech. Did either of you uh, get any thoughts about that as far as what Erskine's saying here? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, that's I, I feel like he is. Uh, and, and that is the 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 context of hearing these words in this style and tone and texture in this German accent is, I think, meant to cause all of the emotional sort of conflict that that uh, that goes on when I hear it. I think it's it is meaningful and to him, I, I believe it. It is truthful. He is a man of science using science for peace. Uh, and also, they're in the middle of a war. How could this not end in some way, shape, or form badly? <laughs> but again, it's a it's there's an irony to it, of course, because it's not true, right? He's actually creating a bioweapon. Yes, right. I mean, I mean, this is this, yeah. this is going to be the first in a whole series of enhanced human beings that will go off and and kill Nazis, right? Right. And maybe it's because we don't like bullies and we're fighting for the right cause, but somebody's getting annihilated here. I mean, peace is the annihilation of somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his end justifies the mean speech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is this is the Manhattan Project well, in Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn Project. Right. <laughs> well, and, I, you know, I haven't really thought about it before, but there is a sense of um, Einstein uh, that they're kind of putting into Erskine here. Right. Kind of like the crazy hair. He kind of has that that scientist look of, uh, you know, kind of these people coming up with these tools in this particular period of time designed to promote peace, but really are weapons of war. And I think that's uh, very much a, 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 an illusion we're meant to uh, make with this character. Yeah, I mean, we have no real question about the ethics of experimenting with this on a human being. I mean, we're we're injecting this, <laughs> no point. <laughs> this, all this blue fluid into this guy and shoving him into this, you know, green chrysalis, right? But also because he's such a willing participant. Yeah. Well, he's a willing participant, but also somebody they clearly have not actually told all the things they're about to do to him. Yeah, but he's clearly signed a lot of papers saying that they will not That's be true. sued in case they do. Exactly. <laughs> because, you know, from the perspective of the screenwriter, like that scene should have happened over schnapps and it would have been about 30 minutes long. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to your bones now. <laughs> this will be excruciating, right? Like that's not something we want to see. Yeah. Well, and but here's something else that's really interesting is like Erskine has never actually seen what it's supposed to do. Right. I mean, when when we had his little flashback scene, he said the serum wasn't ready. And what happened with Schmidt is, according to him, you know, bad becomes worse. Schmidt kind of goes through this crazy transformation where his face turns into this red skull creation this thing um and i guess that's the bad becomes worse but he didn't bulk up like he didn't turn into this like massive uh you know super soldier 
I don't know. I, I find it so interesting that, like, at this point, like, there have been no other test subjects. He's not Jeff Goldblum in The Fly doing all these di- different experiments on monkeys to figure out what's going to happen to this monkey if we do this. Now let's bring the human in. This is, like, the second time he's ever done this. And so, I don't know. I think it's really funny that he, he like, he just, I don't, I don't know how he knows what to actually expect from all of this. Yeah. I don't. I, is that is that weird to think that? You're right. It's rolling the dice. Yeah. I mean, he he built this. Like, what if? I mean, will this pod actually fit Steve once he's gone through this thing? Well, his pants do, as we've already determined. <laughs> his pants. Magic um, pants, right? Yeah, but it's the I Marvel mean, he, Marvel has a trademark on magic pants. Magic pants. <laughs> there is that wonderful scene in, in the Incredible Hulk where where um, he pulls up the pants and goes mas stretchy. Right. right? So good. Right. But yeah, no, they they don't know what's going to happen. Steve doesn't know what's going to happen. So clearly he can't give informed consent here. Right. Um, He's just gone through it. He even sort of winces at the penicillin chug. Oh, that wasn't so bad. At which point Stanley Tooch is like, yeah, that was. One more thing on the list. That was like a prophylactic in case we like kill you here. You know, maybe you won't (laughs) die. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a crapshoot. God knows what's going to come out. Well, and that's all the more reason to, to say to, to Agent Carter, maybe you should wait upstairs because he might actually explode. I don't actually know what's going to happen. Uh, science. You could shrink. He could shrink. Right. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Like they just have no idea. And that's, that's what's really interesting about this whole setup is they just have zero clue as to what's actually about to happen here well this was this is this is science in wartime right yeah um there was a when they they set off the hydrogen bomb on the bikini atoll for the first time there was something like a three to four percent chance the explosion would ignite all the oxygen in the atmosphere and burn it off and they went ahead anyway Mm -hmm. um you know cool you know uh so maybe he'll explode Maybe not. Let's see. Three to four percent chance he will. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a shot here. Science is for the maybes. Howard's at a hundred. It's okay. <laughs> Howard's levels are at a hundred. That's that's what really matters. Is that Howard has the power at a hundred percent? Yeah, and we're going to bring peace, not annihilation. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it's all for peace. All for peace. Well, and we know they've rushed this, right? I mean, from the time he met Steve. Eight days ago, and he had, we've got seven days to figure out which recruit we're going to pick, and then we're doing this thing. We've got to rush because we've got a war going on, and we need you out there uh, inspiring people. So, very rushed. Pete, do you want to talk about the needles? we got a lot of needles no. in this minute. <clears throat> no, I don't want to, Andy. I don't want to. There are so many needles. Have, I'd like to open this segment of the conversation by asking both of you gentlemen, have you ever passed out while getting uh, getting or giving <laughs> blood, getting a shot, getting an injection, anything? Do you know what it's like, the nightmare escape that it is to be a needle phobic? Either of you? No? no. Have me on the show? I, I have no needle fear. That is an act of unkindness. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, it's not fun. It's not fun when the insurance nurse comes to your house and you pass out. And your whole somebody else's life passes before your eyes. You wake up and realize she's been drawing blood with an infant needle. That's humiliating. <laughs> That's happened. Truth. 
there are a lot of needles. The arm pad goes down. And this is, I think, what you were getting at, Andy, the, the design of the thing. There's the shoulder over the shoulder harness that comes down. And if you look closely in the previous minute, you can actually see that there are holes in those pads. And we get the reveal in the arm pads that come, the cuffs that come down over his biceps, that the needles are already sort of exposed there. But my, but, but my sense is there are just needles everywhere. They're going into his arms and his chest. And eventually there's just ev- all the needles. And he, uh, and, and he's about to get, he's about to get pumped up with like a gallon of blue goo. Well, okay, but this is what Erskine says. He says, we begin with a series of micro-injections into the subject's major muscle groups. Does that only include the chest and arms? <laughs> Are those? Well, he's still wearing magic pants, <laughs> and I didn't see anything on his thighs or his extraordinary calves. I guess those aren't major. There may be some needles built into the bottom. Pop up into his gluteus, perhaps. Yeah, maybe under his feet or under his under his legs. Or do you think into the bottoms of his feet? <laughs> uh, later, in, later in the MCU, uh, we demonstrate that there clearly were some needles underneath because how else would he get America's ass? Right. <laughs> At some point, they have to be injected. And his abs. There's never anything going into his abdominals, and that is clearly an area that has gotten some work, some touch up. Uh, in the pod. So questionable, questionable designers kind. You know, it's the 40s. They haven't figured all this stuff out yet. This you write off. This would be this would be this would have so many more needles, but feel safer if it were present day. <laughs> this would be this would be phantasm if it was designed the way it needed to be. It would be a straight up horror movie. But you realize this is just this is just steroids, right? I mean, this it's just getting popped up on steroids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They just dye it blue to make it yeah. look more scientific. Just for the they senator upstairs. <laughs> and at no point do his arms fall off by uh, actually lifting heavy things. No. <laughs> so they figured something out. Yeah. So we've got this. So they roll out this, uh, this uh, I don't know, long cylinder thing with a, a handle on top. And they pull the handle down, revealing... Uh, almost, I mean, it almost looks like like two grips, like rolling this thing. And it's it's one of these funny things. They roll it in, open it up, and they reveal seven vials of the of the strange blue goo, um, leaving one conveniently behind because they only need six. Is there a reason? I mean, this thing holds a lot more. Like when they open it up, you see that there are slots for uh, 12. But for some reason, they only have seven. Um does that just seem like a plot point that we have seven, not six, or yeah, not we need, twelve? We need to <laughs> for we need to see what happens to the next one. It would have been either twelve or thirteen, right? What if they broke one? You know, they might need one. Right? I mean, you know, nurses are clumsy. That's <laughs> not what it is, <laughs> as we've discovered. <laughs> Our misogyny has uh, unveiled that nurses are clumsy. Yeah, you got to watch out for that. Got to watch out for these nurses. Yeah. Well, speaking of nurses, so we see our uh, our nurse um, grab some of these vials. We see another hand uh, has already taken one of them, and then one nurse takes three. And we see her put these three vials into the slots. On the other side, the camera moves over to the other side of the uh, of the device here, and we see other hands putting the the tubes in to that side. However, when we cut to the wide shot, that nurse has now disappeared. I I present to you both the case of the disappearing nurse. (laughs) 
Where does she go? This is, this is the only show you will hear this kind of investigation. Exactly. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm having to go frame by frame right now on this. So there's her hand. You're t- okay. And there she is. Dear. But well, we see the first nurse. She puts the three in. And then we, we pan across Steve's body to his right. And we see a hand putting a vial in. And then we cut back. She's gone. And there's no one there. There's no one there. What a grueling, what a grueling line of inquiry. She might perhaps have handed vials <laughs> to men <laughs> so that they could then place them in the machine properly and then left because True. wouldn't she have been more comfortable up in the gallery? <laughs> <laughs> She's actually sitting with Peggy. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. If there was even a man over there, the fact that nobody is there uh, makes me a little worried about whose hand is putting the vial in. Yeah. Well, the extras could only be there for a few minutes or for a few hours. <laughs> and the shot ran long. So we've they got to go. Yeah. Yep. We got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. What do you what do we think of the actual uh, uh, administration of the like this is the the 1940s hero machinery montage, right, where we get to actually see the liquid going in and we see the pipes and tubes and his arms are like twitching and swelling like they're not they're not really swelling, but you can tell he's like he's like flexing. Right. You can see tissue move. Uh, What do you think of the it's like the machine's hero shot. Yeah, there are 12 needles going into each arm right there in that shot. And uh, I mean, you've got to have a lot of needles for that blue stuff to be pumping in as fast as it does. Right. Um, But still, even then, I'd say that's that's a lot of stuff going in all at once. It is a lot of stuff. I once once had like 10 cc's of vaccine pumped into my butt and I didn't sit down for three days. (laughs) Right. And each one of those is a lot more than 10 cc's. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Where does it go? Like, I don't see like any of the any of the giant swelling bubbles. That's like pumping an icy like, you know, the kid that the the size of icy that my kids would get at the movie theater. That's basically what they're pumping into the body here. It's right. Yeah, it's a big gulp. He's good. It is. Yeah. (laughs) But it makes the machine look awesome. Like there is this this fantastic like the the way the camera moves over the vials as they're expressing the liquid as his arms are moving the pipes, the tubes. I think it actually it makes the it makes the machine look appropriately diabolically scientific. I love it. I love it. And the fact that we have the Death Star like uh, television switcher lever to actually start the works. It, it's, uh, it's really satisfying. Well, it's also set up with that wonderful 40s futuristic feel, right? The, yeah. the vials don't go in straight. They go in at a slight angle so that they're just angled enough. They don't... Yeah, nice little chevron. Right. They, yeah. And they, they have those little metal things on the end to, to give them a, 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 like, like a fin, right? And mm-hmm. so, so it looks wonderful. Then there are the tubes coming out, right? But then there, there are those iron plates that come down that the needles come out of, right? We don't see it sealed up yet to give him the, the victories, right? That will, that will come, right? Yeah, but when yep. that happens, I mean, it is, it's that, it's, it's really a beautiful vision of, of a sort of sleek, sexy, futuristic machine. So yes, it's, it, it is. It's, it's a, it's a hero shot. 
Yeah, because this this is this this whole scene and this shot is is what makes me think like the moment they offered Johnston the role the the role as director on this thing that he was like yeah I already know what that's going to be <laughs> like, this is this is so perfectly him like this is there's a direct line in production design from the Rocketeer to this it's and it's just it's it's gilded with love the writers actually complained about how long post production was because of all the stuff he was doing with these sets and these or pre-production with these scenes and getting these sets right because he had a real specific vision of what he wanted that's why the writers were complaining <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. They, 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 and they well, were subsequently subsequently not listened to either yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah otherwise we would have had a much longer scene with the the old lady and the yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Tommy <X-13>. John. <laughs> but, but she's gonna pull her face off no, no. <laughs> yeah. I do love in the machine bank as we have that fantastic uh, that kind of camera trucking across the top of it to reveal the hand as it as it does that the Star Wars uh, you know move of the uh, of the handle there which is fantastic but you pass a monitor and if you look carefully it actually is like a it's it's almost like an x-ray sort of screen where you can see kind of a, the human body on it and I think that's kind of fun to see how they're monitoring Steve in there. Yeah. Um, to your question that you had the other day, uh, Pete, it is clearly not Howard Stark flipping that handle. Uh, but this is a person in a white coat with white gloves on, and that is not Howard. So no. uh, the flip gets switched. The uh, the juices get pumped into Steve. And I mean, those vials, by the time we pan off of them, they're practically empty. So, I mean, it is insane how fast they pump that stuff in. And that's kind of where we end the minute. We've kind of got this uh, this moment where uh, we just see, as you said, those those uh, pads on his arms and his arms kind of twitching. I, I do. I do want to mention, although we don't see them yet. Right. The Vita race. The Vita rays. Yes, we do talk about Vita rays here. Yeah. Vita rays are important. Vita rays actually are not part of the, the Captain America origin story until about 1970, 1969, right? They are first introduced in Captain America comics, not 109, which I believe is 1969. And that's important because um, that helps bring Captain America into the 21st, into the, the, the new Marvel age, because everybody has to get born out of radiation. Right. Um, Stanley gives everybody radiation. Um, there was no radiation initially. It was just injections. Right. So the Vita rays actually are a, a late addition in the, the late 60s. And they become an important element of the origin because there is another Captain America uh, from the 1950s. Captain America comics ran through like 71 issues and they got canceled um and they tried to revive him in 1954 and there's uh he appears in a couple of issues of young men comics um and then goes away again but in the early 70s they tried to explain how you could have a captain america in 1950s if he'd been frozen in the ice after world war ii and their explanation was that somebody had discovered the super soldier formula and wanted to become the new Captain America, had himself surgically altered to look like him. But then the Korean War ended, and so the government said he couldn't do it. But then the Red Skull showed up again as a communist, and so he injected himself and a young Bucky with the serum. But they didn't have the Vita rays. And absent the Vita rays, the serum ate away at their minds and turned them into right-wing jingoistic, hate mongers there we go right? so this that that's a 1970s story but the vita rays 
are not canon until the late 60s. They don't exist in the 1940s, comic book. So they introduced the Vita Rays without the authentic Captain America. They introduced the concept of Vita Rays as a missing ingredient in these altered caps. Well, actually, they, they introduced it to the original Captain America origin. And then later, that became a plot point in how the other Captain America was insane. Right. Interesting. Missing the Vita Rays. So it wasn't just for him. but They, they, they come in later. Right. Um, but, you know, in the 1940s, you know, rays, any kind of rays is good. All the rays. Yeah. yeah. Vita rays, it's vitamins uh, and rays. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. Right. Like what yeah. what is this providing? It's, all, it's just B12. You guys, it's like <laughs> nothing. But the use of radiation comes back to that, that Erskine as Einstein. Um, yeah, yeah right. as well. Right. So we have the Vita rays, not just the serum, but the Vita rays. Yeah. Important. Yeah, on the, on the Marvel uh, wiki, it says uh, the Vita rays are a special combination of uh, of exotic by 1941 standards wavelengths of radiation designed to accelerate and stabilize the serum's effect on his body. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that's essentially what he's in here. This device, it's kind of a Vita ray chamber. What we've been looking at is he's going through the process of having these uh, these injections to give him the stuff. And as it says, the the serum causes immediate cellular change and then to stimulate growth that's what the vita rays he's going to be saturated with vita rays and so we're going to be able to see all this we of course don't in this minute we just at this point are just seeing the serum infusion but theoretically if this was a different sort of movie with a different sort of director we would have a camera that would like shoot into the body and actually watch these cells changing i mean we've seen that with spider-man and other things where you can actually see what is this serum doing to him i I'm really glad that we don't do that. It felt like something that uh, I can't imagine Joe Johnston doing that. But uh, especially for a film that is set in the 40s, it just doesn't feel like something that would be appropriate. But um, we've certainly seen that, uh, you know, that sort of thing happen. Yeah, but you're right. I think that that kind of shot would be completely inappropriate in this film. And particularly for the field Johnston's going for. We don't want to see what's going on in Captain America. We want to see the communities context of that change what what's happening to everybody else while he changes right 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 Right. that's a great reminder because that's the whole context we've been talking about for the last you know 30 minutes which is that the joy of captain america is not so much the change that he goes through but the change that he inspires in others and it's even apparent right here to your point i that's that's lovely yeah yeah and uh, we do see the community as we get this countdown from Erskine. We cut to various people up in the observation booth. We see Colonel Phillips and his reaction uh, with the senator behind him. We see uh, Agent Carter. We see uh, Clemson, the state, the State Department guy, all these people and all these other random people all kind of watching. So it is very much this this community of people who are kind of observing this experiment take place. It's a good thing he doesn't explode. <sighs> Would have been a whole different film. <laughs> Although I guess we shouldn't say <laughs> because we won't we won't actually see that until next week's. Very different. That's Raimi's uh, Captain America. It's a totally different <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think I have anything else for this minute. Uh, do either of you? This was great. Yeah. What a fantastic week. Yeah, Matthew. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a thrill. Thank you. It's been a been a pleasure i've had a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about uh, remind everyone one last time about your book and where they can find it secret identity crisis comic books and the unmasking of cold war america check it out on amazon barnes and noble local remaindered bookstore near you 
and anywhere online that somebody's probably already posted a PDF of it because it's been out there for a while. <laughs> oh. Right? oh, internet. God love it. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Definitely check it out, everybody. Uh, just a really interesting look at uh, at kind of comics and, and the way that it fits into society. So uh, really exciting stuff. Uh, that's it for this week. So we will be back next week as we continue experiments on Steve and we'll see what these Vitares do. So, uh, got to look at the Vitares. All right, everybody. Uh, until next time, true believers. Serum infusion beginning in five, four, three, two. And I'm finished at two. I don't, I don't need to get to one. Why we wait till one? Uh. <laughs> Touch my monkey. It's not monster. Need to touch my monkey. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is "Spread the News" by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.